before I start off this morning, uh, I've got to uh, I have to give credit where credit's due. So my idea for this message came from uh, kind of the lessons we were doing uh, in the youth group, um, and uh, honestly, kind of came from uh, an awesome sermon that I watched from a guy uh, by the name of Mike Todd. Um, he is uh, he's an awesome preacher. Um, you can go on on YouTube and, and look up Mike Todd and and see um, just kind of a my own version, condensed. He preaches for like an hour 15. Um, we're not ready for that here. So uh, I, had to, I had to shave off a little bit. Um, but uh, go go and watch that if, if you want to see the whole thing. He goes into a lot of detail. Very intelligent, um, very intense minister speaker. So it's, it's good to see. But uh, so give, I'm going to give credit to him where, where that is due. <coughs> it's, all about, it's all about the spirit. Holy Spirit's kind of a weird thing um, that uh, we struggle to understand. I struggle daily to understand how he works, how he uh, abides in us, um, how he manifests gifts, how we learn and live and everything through him. But as I get older, as I go through life, um, I get experiences and things in my life are opened up, um, understandings. So uh, because some of you, I've, I've told the story before, some of you. Um, we, I've definitely told the students this, but I'll do a, an in-depth kind of refresher. So my, uh, my dad, my dad was born in uh, Zimbabwe, um, as, as you know. At the time, it was Rhodesia back in the day, um, before it all went uh, up in smoke, unfortunately. Um, beautiful country, uh, cool people. But as I grew up, I kind of started asking questions, like, you know, I grew up being the kid that was born in Africa. That's super white. So how does that work? Um, <coughs> and, you know, you go, so I start, you know, we, you sit down at Thanksgiving and you start talking or dinner or whatever. You start finding out things about your life. And my dad's story continues to this day to get more and more intense and mind-blowing and just the spirit of God moving is awesome. So we, um, my dad grew up native. My relatives are all Rhodesians, Zimbabweans, um, and he uh, grew up very wealthy. Uh, his dad was an architect. Uh, his dad was a farmer. Uh, his dad was also, so my grandpa was also, uh, well, basically like the captain of the national rugby team for Zimbabwe and the captain of the national cricket team. Insane. Insane. We found out, unfortunately, um, I was... Uh, in a succession line of uh, people to inherit a $60 million farm. Yeah, me. Mm. All right, crazy. That's all gone. All right, I got slaughtered and burned. But, um, yeah, so this, this is kind of what we come from. And then you, then you, you know, if you've met my dad or if you know my family, it's kind of like, how does this work? But the cool thing is, as we start the story and understanding how the spirit moves in generation and generation and generation, it is far deeper than we understand most of the time. So my dad currently is the product of uh, missionaries, right? So missionaries from uh, here in Missouri, down in Joplin, um, called the Nuts. That was their last name, uh, Zayden Nutt. Uh, his daughter or his uh, son Tom uh, runs uh, right next door to Ozark. Runs Good News Productions, all right. And uh, another another gentleman, um, Dale Marshall, was uh, kind of a co missionary with them over in my dad's small town of Chinoy, Zimbabwe. And 
I didn't I didn't realize till this week as I was preparing for this that um, their families grew up together. So I thought they kind of just come in, you know, threw some Bibles at them and then blew out, and that was not how it works. They came in, and my dad actually went to school, kindergarten through matriculation or through twelfth uh, grade, graduated with the Zayden, you know, Zaydenet's family and his kids. And throughout that time, they my dad got to experience a different life. Right, my dad, crazy wealthy. All right, tons of family problems. My granny might be watching this. I love you. Tons of family problems. Right, and he got to witness these people living, living in the spirit, living in Christ, living that out. All right, my my grandpa, Good News Productions, which is down in in Joplin, was actually started in Chinoy, um, which is crazy. I just I just knew that, or I just just found that out. And my grandpa was a part of building that first building for them. I was like, man, what, what is that? And um, my, my grandparents helped them, uh, were part of opening a Bible bookstore that, that later got bought out. So throughout this life, my dad's explaining to me throughout his life that there were these intricate kind of woven in relationships. Now, unfortunately, my dad's the only Christian in my family. Um, uh, none of it stuck. None of it clicked. But here's where the ride gets crazy. Is because you think about what that life, what that, the, the movement of the Spirit did to help educate my father on the will of our father. So he went through school. He was uh, went into the military, um, had a crazy military experience, went uh, to medical school, just found out he... Uh, uh, was having it was a real real bad time in medical school, and was uh, getting super stressed out, a lot of anxiety, all that kind of stuff, at like 20 years old. Um, so Dale Dale Marshall, the other ministry guy, kind of was like, "Hey, take a break, move to the states." I don't know if that sounds like a break, but move to the states, go to Bible college, and just get just get a, a foundational understanding. My dad kind of grew up Catholic, but not if you know what I mean. Um, Get a foundational understanding of, of the Bible. And he's like, then come back. And I was like, okay. Dale's plan, I'm pretty sure, I haven't spoken with about it. I think Dale's plan was like, go, you'll learn about Jesus in an awesome environment. You'll come back, you can continue med school, and you can become a Christian doctor in a very damned area of the world. That's awesome. All right? Found out at 20, <laughs> my dad was like performing surgeries that they had not taught him how to do. So... He's just like freaking out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds awful. Um, don't get medical help in Africa. Uh, probably still, to be honest. But my dad came. He took him up on his, on his offer. Came to the States with a suitcase, uh, one pair of jeans, a couple of white shirts, and the rest is history. Met my mom. We went back. Been on the mission field a couple times. And that's, that's a crazy, like, how, how, do you, how does that happen? You know, we, we sit in, like, American culture, American Christian culture, and, and we, we, we long, right? Like, we long for miracles to happen. We long for, for the, the spirit to move, to see this, to finally, you know, for God to, like, tear the roof off of this place, um, metaphorically or physically, whatever it takes, to then, for us to see that, right? But here's, here's where the spirit comes in. We're going we're gonna to be in Galatians chapter 5. 
Um, should hopefully be on the screen in just a sec here. It says, life by the Spirit. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And then he says something interesting. Paul, Paul in this letter to, to the church, says something interesting. He says, I warn you as I did before. I, they've already, they already know these things, right? They've already been warned once. Paul's coming back with, with grace, being like, I've told you this once before. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So what are the fruits of the Spirit? Other than nice words we kind of say on Sundays, on church, uh, in church, um, but maybe never really experience. Like, have we thought about it? Listen to this. How many Christians, how many disciples of Jesus do you think that you could walk up to on the street and ask, do you have joy in your life? Do you have peace in your life? How many people do you think you could ask that and get an honest, honest answer? And not kind of kind of an answer, but yes, I experience those things daily. So think about it. Think about people we know in St. James. How many people you walk up on the street, especially ones that claim Christ, be like, do you have joy and peace in your life? It's not my experience. My experience with people is that they claim Jesus because they're scared of going to hell. They claim being transformed by the Spirit. You know, they got a word of the Lord in them, Right? But they're a wreck. Their lives are chaotic, unfocused. They don't have joy. They don't have peace. They're not gentle. They're not particularly patient. So what are the fruits of the Spirit? Well, what is Paul trying to tell us here in Galatians 5? See, I used to read this passage kind of incorrectly. Um, I would read it uh, that as though, uh, because I was a good little Christian boy, as so I was told, I would get these benefits in my life. Like, I would get these things. All right? Kind of passive right, or passive understanding, but that's wrong. See, what the scriptures are saying here is that if I'm truly living in the spirit, the spirit is affecting me. These attributes are the evidence of the spirit. I don't have notes set out for them, but evidence is a key word today. Draw pictures around it, some hearts, some flowers, some doodles. Evidence is the key word for today. These attributes are the evidence that the Spirit is working in my life. 
that the Spirit is working in you, the Spirit is just changing you. See, I think one problem with Christians today, especially in our country, is that we claim the name, but our fruit is bad. Is bad fruit. The fruit's kind of rotten a little bit. Right? We gotta think, thus, those of us in this room today, what kind of fruit do we have? What kind of fruit do people see in our life? People on the internet, does your fruit stink? Do you have bad fruit in your life? see, we claim Jesus, but we're not kind to each other. That's a problem. We claim to have the keys to the kingdom, but we're not faithful. That's a problem. We're not loving. We're not gentle. We've already claimed some heavenly rewards here on earth. But we have patience for no one. You see, because the world looks at us, steps back and says, really? You want me to be part of that? No, I'm good. See, without the evidence of the Spirit, what does that say about us? What does that say about our walk with Christ? Ask yourself this right now. Look look at this list that we have up here uh, on the screen. And ask yourself, do I have the evidence of the Spirit of God working in my life? Do I demonstrate these things daily? And if we don't, something's got to change. Church, I, I think we have a problem. I think we've got a little bit of a problem. Me and Doug spend a good chunk of Tuesdays talking and Alan about the state of the church, state of the country, state of state of what's going on in, in American Christianity, and we talk about our church. And we try and connect these dots. We try and piece this puzzle together that doesn't make sense to us. If we lived this out, our church would be And I, anything I, hear, I say today, uh, I'm not, I'm not here to, I'm not here to to pick on anybody. I'm myself, as much recipient of this stuff as I am. But I have to begin to wonder because I, I know the conversations that go on. I know, I know that we desire to have these these pews filled, not not for monetary gain, not not for for prestige or anything like that. We we want we want people to understand Christ, right? Yeah, church, is that do we want people to know Christ? Yeah do. And a key part of this is this in our life. And we'll explain why here in a minute. We're told several times in the New Testament that when we close our th- we clothe ourselves in Christ Jesus, things need to change, right? When we die to ourselves, things must be different. We can't keep walking the same way we've always walked. We can't keep doing the same things we've always done. We can't keep making the same decisions we've always made. Can't do that. That's like the biggest thing we talk about with the students. It's like the kids come in, they talk with me, and they're like, Caleb, I'm struggling with this. I don't understand why this is happening. I gave my life to Christ. I dunked in the water. What's going on? Well, have, have you lived any of this out? Do you live any of this out? And our 
pretty much every single time the conversation is like, like it's like, okay, well, that connects the dots in my mind. It's like you got to live this stuff out. Paul tells us to put our old ways to death. We can't walk both in Christ and in the world. Folks, if we're lacking in the evidence of the Spirit and His work in our life, there is a big problem and we need we need to fall on our knees and ask Him to change us. So here's, here's a good question. I would say write this down so you can ponder it later. Can we honestly do God's will if we're mean to people? Just in everyday life. Can we do God's will if we are mean people? Can we do God's will if we are impatient with people? Can we do God's will if we are not faithful to people? Can we do God's will if we are not people filled with goodness or gentleness? You see, that's the thing is like we don't get this stamp of approval when we, we uh, decide to follow God and get dunked in the water. There is a lifetime that has to change us, right? The end of the passage says, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Essentially, we do not define what the Spirit is. We do not get to pick and choose righteousness or the pieces of godliness that we like. The Spirit, if it's changing us, the Spirit defines us. We don't define the Spirit. In America, we define the Spirit so much. And here in a few moments, we're going to explain why that is so broken. We have to let the Spirit define us. So often, so often, we run into these scriptural challenges and we come out of it with excuses. God tells us to have patience. And we say, you know what, I'm just not a patient person. And we kind of brush it off and we move on with life. That's, that's a difficult place to be. I don't know if you guys know what TikTok is. Uh, it is Satan's gift to humanity. Um, yeah, children, mm, I'm on to you. I talked about this a couple weeks ago in our last our last youth group, and uh, it, you know I got some some snarly looks from the students. Um, TikTok is uh, there, you know, maybe there's some good stuff on there. Um, maybe there's a, a wholesome person or two, but predominantly, some of the parents are like, "No, it's garbage." All right, predominantly, TikTok is pretty awful. And see, the thing is, is that if you look at the statistics of TikTok. The people that use it predominantly in like the 60 and 70 percentile is 10 to 18-year-olds, right? So that's you guys, that's in this group, pretty much most of your children if they're in the youth group. 10 to 18-year-olds use this platform, right? So that's a staggering percentage. Uh, Another staggering percentage is the fact that if you're going on like 40, 35 percent, whatever the, the remainder is, um, that is people our age, <laughs> right? All right, little creepy. 
Um, I don't have TikTok. Addie better not have TikTok. I'll smash your phone in half. She knows the rules. I know there are ways around TikTok, though, because we have YouTube. I'm still on to you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So preparing for our, our youth lesson a couple weeks ago, I was like, all right, I'm not downloading the app because I just don't want it on my phone. Um, but let's. I just want to see what we got. And oh, my goodness, I should have just done that. I went on YouTube, typed in, like, tick, uh, like challenges and all these different things. And they're like, I don't know, what are they, like, 10-second videos, 15-second videos? So for those of you who don't know how it works, weird things that people do, and they're like, you know, they're like trend, and the same people, they'll do, like, a dance, all right, to a song for, like, 12 seconds. And uh, it's, it's the camera. It's the person. And that is the focus. That is what's building our current generation and the upcoming generations. The, and let me use a word that kids understand, the cringe of that is epic. Okay, watching it as a 33, almost 33-year-old adult male, I my heart wept. And here's the thing is, joking aside, joking aside, we don't understand the brokenness that we exist in. And time and time again, we, we teach and preach on these things. We hopefully are reading the scriptures. And then we just keep doing life the same stinking way. Does it make any sense why our pews are flipping empty? No, and I'm speaking to all of us. I'm speaking to you on the internet. This is no longer a joke. The depravity that we just give our children is ridiculous. We just let them erode into nothing. And the spirit, well, we douse that out as fast as we possibly can. Go on. Go on YouTube. Type in. Type in TikTok anything eyes will burn at the back of your retinas. That's how awful it is. Because it is a crying world that it is looking for something in the shallowest, broken ways possible. And the thing that kills me is that it is all about us. It's all about us. And we come and we talk about kingdom work and the mission We're following Paul, Peter, Silas, John, Luke. You're doing an awful job doing it. And I don't like it. So you have the world's side of things. And they're bad. The world's side of it's bad. Then you have the church's side of things. And it's bad as well. It brings me back to our story about our people in my dad's life. How all those key people throughout my spiritual lineage, what I'm going to call it, how were all those key people, how did they end up in my dad's small African town with the message of Christ to persuade a filthy, rich, snot-nosed, dad, I'm sorry, did I talk to grandma? arrogant, prideful, 
holy name bear it back. How? Because the Spirit was moving in ways we don't understand. But it didn't start with that small group. How many people did it take to live by the Spirit for those people, for the nuts and the marshals to understand that this was important enough to uproot their life to move to a miserable, beautiful, but miserable part of the world where godlessness was rampant. And to raise their kids up well enough to understand that little seeds had to be planted, like what Jerry was talking about this morning. And understanding, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. But little challenges. I can only imagine what my dad, I, I don't even know if he knows all of the interactions and how they changed him. But he went from that. He went from a skinny child to a humble minister edging his way out the door. You see, how many people had to come in to, to affect his life? How many people had to come in, generationally speaking, to to affect the lives of the missionaries who went there. See, that's the thing is like, if we're thinking about us, we never get there. If we have the Holy Spirit, if we're focusing on that, oh my goodness, where can God take us? Because I can tell you now, I, who knows where this leaning takes? I don't even know where it started, but it comes with them, it comes from my dad, okay? My dad hopefully raised me fairly well. You guys might be like, eh. Hopefully I'm, I'm doing all right. For me to be like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to Bible college, struggle through that a little bit, and, and then lo and behold, God sent me to St. Joe's, a town I passed 800 times on the way to and from school and I never even knew knew existed. And for some reason, God was like, I need you here. I need you here. To then, who knows? You guys are a part of the, the lineage now, whether you want to be or not. <laughs> and you students, the students that we've sent, and the families that we've ministered to are a part of the lineage. And if the Spirit takes control of us, who knows where that goes. Casey was working at David's Bridal right before we moved here, got shut down. And it was, it was, it was cool to see this. The nuts, that family, the nuts, niece came in the door, she was getting married. Casey was the sales associate that went and worked with her, and she knew her name and got the information down. She's like, I know this. That's crazy. So she started a conversation, as Casey is very good at. And she got to know her. The cool thing was, at the time, Casey was pregnant with Miss Mary. And I remember Casey telling me the story because she got emotional talking to this lady. Because she was like, because of your family, she was like, this kid exists. She's like, because of your family, hopefully, we will raise him in a home that is filled with the Spirit. And that is awesome to think about. See, it gets us out of TikTok mode and gets us into mode of the Holy Spirit. See, the hard thing is, is that we don't make disciples on accident. I think the biggest frustrating question that we ask right now 
videos, internet, churches are talking about across the, across the country. Why are churches dying? We expect to, to disciple by accident. Yet reading the passage, Paul makes it very clear that discipleship and being led by the Spirit is very much on purpose. To the people in my, my lineage, they were doing discipleship on purpose. Discipleship happens when the Spirit is at work in our life, and we let it shape and change us. So the question for each of us today is, do we, again, have the Spirit, uh, the evidence of the Spirit in our life? So what I believe Paul is getting at here, because of the nature of this letter to the Galatian church, that he clearly states are having reoccurring issues, problems that they are dealing with. He tells us this, you are not neutral. You don't get to play the neutral game. You have the evidence of something in your life. It's either the evidence of the Spirit or it's the evidence of the world. We don't get to play both sides. And here's the thing. I'm going to get into some, some touchy stuff. All right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bridge this with if you like to come talk with me afterwards about what we talked about in the following couple minutes, I'll be more than glad to. This is not an attack on anybody watching. This is not an attack on people that are part of this movement. Um, but there is a big problem, biblically, that we have to address. So we've often confused the benefits of the Spirit with the gifts of the Spirit. We've confused the benefits, the gifts of the Spirit, with the evidence, the fruits of the Spirit. I want you to write those two things down. Gifts of the Spirit, okay, evidence of the Spirit. We confuse the two. And we have to be careful. So we've looked at scripture taken, uh, <coughs> you know, it's really big in the Bible about right now. We've looked at scripture taken out of context to suit our human desires for power and supremacy and to lord it over others. So let me explain this. 1 Corinthians 12. I have it in here. There are different kinds of gifts, but they are all given to believers by the same spirit. There are different kinds of uh, of ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways the Spirit works, but the same God is working in all these ways and in all people. The Holy Spirit is given to each of us in a special way, that it is for the good of all. To some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others, the same Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others, the same Spirit gives faith. To others, that one Spirit gives the gift of healing. To others, He gives the power to do miracles. To others, He gives the ability to prophesy. To others, he gives the ability to tell the spirits apart. To others, the ability to speak in different kind of languages um, they had not known before. And still others, he gives the ability to explain what was said in those languages. All the gifts, <coughs> excuse me, hear this. All the gifts are produced by one and the same spirit. He gives gifts to each person just as he Then Paul goes on in the very famous 1 Corinthians 13 and tells us what? Because it's all about love. And he says if you don't have love, you have nothing. Paul tells us before that to, to experience, to, to seek after the greater. Right? So, so the gifts of the Spirit are good, but they're not the end goal. So I'm just going to get this out of the way. I need you guys to respond right now. Church, do we believe in the gifts of the Spirit? Yes. 
We believe in miracles. We believe in healings. We believe in the gift of tongues. Do we believe in uh, the gift of wisdom and knowledge? All right. Do we believe in the gift of prophecy? All right. We believe in those. All right. So, for the record, we believe in all that. See, these gifts, these benefits of the Spirit, they're bestowed on us as God sees fit to further his kingdom. Paul tells us to focus on the greater, to not get caught up in this as so many have. He explains to us that in the next section that there are many parts but one body. We're familiar with that scripture where he talks about the the importance of each person as they play their part. Different, same. Paul tells us that these gifts exist, and here's the thing. They are tools that God gives us because he knows that we are broken people doing our best, but that we do not understand the supernatural in it all, right? Like, we don't. And and I would be careful of anybody that claims to. The supernatural is supernatural. It is of God. It is not of us. He gives us access to these supernatural gifts, to this power. But it is not us. It's his spirit doing the work in us and through us. We are but a vessel. And I know you probably know where I'm going, all right? I know where I'm going with this. Because what's happened? Well, we've humanized it, all right? We done messed it all up. So we did the opposite of what Paul told us to do. And there are some bents of Christianity, there's some sects, denominations, Christianity, that I think have gotten it wrong, unfortunately. We've, we've humanized it. We wanted a piece of the glory for ourselves. That's what it is. I want to heal people. prophesy, I want the glory for myself. I want to do miracles, I want to speak in tongues, but I want the glory for myself. You might be thinking, Caleb, you're overgeneralizing, they give glory to God. I have been in worship settings, and I've seen this. And the thing is, I'm not, I'm not saying there aren't genuine people, don't hear me about that. But what concerns me is that there, I, I have witnessed on displays of the dancing and the shouting. We do not serve a God of chaos. We just don't. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. I'm actually going to go a little bit above that. 14, 6. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, if I come and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation of knowledge or prophecy or word or instruction. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as a pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue. How will anyone know what you are saying? You will be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. 
If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in that which build up the church. Go down to 18. It says, I thank God, uh, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. Go up to verse 22. It says, tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and inquirers, visitors, unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in with everyone prophesying, they are convicted of their sin, and the secrets of their heart are laid bare, that they'll fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. And then lastly, go down to verse 39. He ends it, and he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. don't stand here today to pick on anyone, especially anyone who isn't genuine. But reading those passages, it's kind of like Paul knew we were going to get lost in it, right? It's like he gave us those scriptures because he's like, if it's not handled correctly, there's going to be a, a great distraction to the cause. So my whole point today talking about the evidence of the Spirit in us is because so often we take and extract and suck the marrow out of the Scriptures, the beautiful truth. We turn it and we make it about us. We make it about us. Instead of making it about God, His kingdom, and the gospel of Christ. See, if I bring it home, I'm almost done. If I bring it home. Here's the issue, is that what does this cause in the world? When they look in on us and what we do makes no sense to them. It's not logical, not necessarily scriptural. It creates an abstinence of faith in the world around us. Because the world, unbelievers look at us and see crazy chaos. And they're like, no, thank you, I've already got enough of that in my life. See, that's why Paul gave us instruction on this very thing that so many people have missed. He says, yes, seek the gifts. The gifts are real, but do it appropriately. Don't be weird about it because it's going to freak people out. Paul says the gifts of the Spirit are real. But don't get too caught up in it because everybody is important and has a part to play. But get this, I love the simplicity of God because God just, ah, just makes sense. Paul tells us to seek that which is greater. He gives us a whole chapter on love, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And get this, it's almost like Paul knew. Because the very next sentence says that if you have the gifts of tongue of men and angels, or the gift of prophecy but not love, you are hollow and have nothing. See, the spiritual gifts have their place, but the evidence 
is the fruits of the Spirit. And here's the thing. I promise we're almost done. See, the fruits of the Spirit are right there. They're right in front of you. They're not confusing. They're not distracting. They're tangible. They're touchable. They're, they're seeable. They're shareable. It's living, tangible proof. It's the nail in the hands for the doubters. It's the pierced side. All right, I just think. Everybody listen close. Lean in if you're physically able. All right. Yeah. Oh, Tim's got it. Tim's got it. This is what I'm passionate about. I feel like, especially in the Midwest, we have lost sight of a lot of stuff. We're the Bible Belt, so we just like get ushered into heaven, regardless. And that's not good. We struggle in a lot of our churches denominational speaking like across the board because we haven't spent enough time in here and the world looks at us and they are confused and they see craziness in our churches and they're like man that looks a little cultish to me i don't like this and that's not of god paul tells us that things need to make sense the supernatural god said don't worry about it there are gifts duh you're gonna need it because you're broken you're human you don't have the power I do. And I'm asking you to do an insane task. Go out, preach, teach to the nations, spread my name, my gospel. Paul's like, all right, I'm going to do this. Let's explain it. The gifts are there. The miraculous happens. The healings happen. Uh, the gifts of, of tongues and prophecy, they happen. But there's a purpose. Paul says don't seek after them in inappropriate ways. But the fruits of the Spirit, boom, that is where it at. That's where it's at here as well. You've been living your whole life, and there's a friend that's been watching you live your whole life. And the one thing they know about you, you're broken, because we're all broken, but the one thing they know about you is that when people aren't kind to you, you are struggle on the freeway not wanting to flip birds at people left and right when I get cut off semi-drivers and that's the thing we we gravitate towards that Paul said that he's like the desires of the flesh put it to death because it's going to be a struggle but your friend that sees you living in kindness that makes sense that might speak right love your neighbor and people around us see us loving strangers in the way the world says, oh, the world eats their own, and we're told to be different. Love your enemies? Are you kidding me? That's insane. I hate that. This guy's like, ah. no, you can't. But you demonstrate that in your life. Man, that is that is not the evidence of the Spirit working and changing you out of weakness. I'm going to put this one to rest. My family situation, you guys all know it. I am sure everybody's had their doubts. 
sure people have been like, is it real? Is he faking? Is it as bad as it seems? She's sick with something. And I've done my best to follow God. I, I feel like I should be justified to some extent, right? Like, I ask God often, why? Like, I'm tired. Man, I'm tired of being here. But that's the thing. I'm like, I, I know that God brought me to this, this church, to this town for a reason. I have no doubt in my mind. But I also know that God, for whatever reason, gave me a broken shoulder. for me because I'm like, God, what do I get to do with people like that? Grieve. Brought me into Addie's life. And that, again, I have to drive to Springfield for the 900,000th time because of brokenness. But God gave me a wife whose body was broken. There was no end in sight. There was one hospital trip away or even there were some times where just way out of God's reach. But I know that God let us deal with those things. It's like hopefully the evidence of the Spirit in my life when people look at us and go, I don't understand it. We have patience. That when people look at our life and they're like, why don't you, why don't you be done? See, if that is not a lesson that speaks to the children, if that is not a lesson that speaks to your neighbors, to, to your enemies at work, if that's not a lesson that speaks to your lost family, to the people that know you in a town, I don't know what it is. Because that is the stuff that we need to, we need to just focus our whole life on. The evidence that the Spirit is real in us. It's not flashy, it's maybe not awe-inspiring, it's maybe not wonder-seeking. But it is tangible, it is shareable, it is real. And that is what we need. We don't need to be concerned with the spiritual and the supernatural that we don't understand. We need to be concerned with the fact that God said, live as Christ lived. Changing your life from the broken, dead carcass that you were to this new thing that doesn't make sense anymore. Guys, if we want to grow a church, that is what it is going to look like. If we want to reach this community, the people in your life that are broken and lost, that is what it's going to take. Focusing on the evidence that the Spirit resides in us. Don't let me